0: G'day, I'm Sean and welcome to the Car Expert podcast. We've got a slightly smaller week than normal, but uh, no less interesting Don't this week. turn them away no, before we no, even start. No, well, we're going to get straight into it. We're going to talk about the Apple car, the iCar, I guess you could say. Is it happening? Is it not? It's sort of floated to the surface again and we're all a bit surprised by that. We're talking about Tesla Model Y, they've uh, slipped another update in there for its users and uh, they're a little bit surprised by the cost and what it can do. And we're going to talk about what is the best first car you can buy your youth. Uh, but joining me to help talk about that, our resident youth, Jade Credentino. How are
1: you?
2: Yeah, <laughs> only by one year. Scott's a year
1: <laughs> Close enough. Well, Scott is the senior on the couch though, so Scott, colleague, as our ageing ungracefully correspondent. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Uh, guys, um, the iCar has uh, been uh, burbling to the surface again, oh, uh, hot off the back of an uh, uh, Apple iPhone 15 launch that they just had. Um, this hasn't come from Apple though, it's come from an insider who is generally in the know of what's going on, but um, I don't want to spend too long on the Apple car because, let's be
1: honest, it's kind of stupid, but give us a little bit of information about it, Scott. So Apple has, once again, apparently been forced to delay this project. Um, What a surprise. the, The story of the Apple car is kind of like war and peace at this point. It was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. Apple was out there talking to the likes of Hyundai for a little while there about manufacturing together. But at every turn, there's been some problem. With Hyundai, it was that Apple wanted to control all the data in the car, and Hyundai said, well... No, if we're manufacturing the car, we get to maintain some semblance of control. There's been supply chain issues. They've had engineers leaving. The latest issue is apparently if Apple doesn't start acquiring the right companies to do this in the immediate future, it's going to have to bump its timeline back significantly and we're not going to see it for the next couple of years.
0: So, this isn't the like we saw this with Tesla in the early days where they were a tech company trying to make a car and they didn't really know what they were doing. And it took quite a while for Tesla to actually catch on. And I think, is that a similar problem that, that Apple have here where it's a bunch of tech bros trying to make a car?
1: No, I think it's a little bit of a different one because Tesla ultimately was focused on building a car. That was what it was trying to do, and you know they dedicated all their time, effort, energy to that among other businesses on the side, whereas Apple, and I'm going to steal a prop here, no spends a lot of time building these and iPads and Macs and all of its software services. It is the richest company on earth, is my understanding, based on cash. It's, I think their, their valuation ends with a trillion, so I'd say so, yeah. So I think if you're Apple and you want to build a car, you have a lot to lose because a couple of iPhones blowing up or breaking or bending on someone's YouTube channel, it's not a disaster, people are gonna keep buying them. But if people start dying in Apple car accidents, or maybe the car's a massive flop. Every time you charge it overheats. Something like that, exactly. (laughs) The reputational damage is huge, but also the amount of money that they have to pour into it to get to that point and then scrap it, has the potential to undermine its strength as a business. So I think Apple's problem is that it's so successful elsewhere to do the car the way it wants to do it is kind of a risk, and it's not necessarily willing to make the leap on that final bit of risk. And we
0: saw Google give up on it a few years ago. They were trying and trying, and they sort of I think it got a bit too hard. Sony, similar sort of story, actually, but yes. you have one out of China that uh, actually. No, well,
2: on back it. on the Sony thing for a hot sec. Um, Honda and Sony now have a joint venture, um, and they've created a company called Alfila. <laughs> I'm sorry, um,
1: you what? So, yeah,
2: yeah, a F-E-E-L-A. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing it wrong.
0: Apologies to our younger viewers out there.
2: (laughs) Um, Now, the car, um, it actually looks pretty cool. The car is set to go into production in 2025. Um, So that would probably be Honda's success story. Uh, Sorry, Sony's success story. But that is thanks to Honda. Now, Huawei, which is China's biggest telco, from my understanding.
0: They they, they used to sell phones in Australia until they... Let's well, not go into yes. the political yes. yeah, yeah. side of that because um, there's a lot going on They now there. have a
2: joint venture with Cattle who create uh, batteries for Tesla, Mercedes-Benz, quite a lot of manufacturers, and Chang'an Automotive, which are China's top four um, automotive brands. So think like Saic Motors and, and alike. Um, Chang'an is one of those. So they have a joint uh, venture called Avatar. Now. Avatar has been around in China for a little while. It's a high-end luxury electric car. They have one model and they're about to release another one. They are potentially talking about expanding outside of China um, and also potentially in right-hand drive. So I think back to what we're talking about (laughs) with with, uh, technology companies building cars, I think it's there. I think if they really want it to work, there's obviously um, a a way to make it happen, but Apple does have like scott said a lot more
1: it's got a lot to risk, lose risk
2: yeah when it comes to you know Huawei or or Sony
0: per se so yeah. I'm curious tech companies are, are suddenly into it and I guess it's because it's electric and it's a little bit easier than making an internal combustion engine but cars traditionally as a from a car manufacturing standpoint cars are a terrible investment it's worse than a restaurant
1: so what why are all these companies suddenly looking to get in on it i think there's a couple of things one of them is yeah the switch to electric has made this, all of a sudden, a very different problem to solve. I mean, if you're Sony, manufacturing the millions of parts required to make a, you know, internal combustion engine, differential transmission, all that sort of thing, there's absolutely no crossover with your business that you do at the moment, so why the hell would you bother? But if it's essentially a bigger battery than you already have, you have the facilities to manufacture batteries, you have the knowledge to do electrical systems, uh, I think that's probably part of the appeal. I think the other side of the appeal and what Sony's done quite a lot of talking about is the data and advertising side. Sony's first concept car before it paired up with Honda had screens all over the dashboard with the intention of showing you Sony content. They have a music studio, they have a movie studio and if they don't want to show you their content they can sell that space to someone else. Ford has talked about something similar with autonomous vehicles when or if they eventually happen there's this data goldmine and this advertising goldmine that these tech companies aren't tapping at the moment beyond maybe CarPlay or Android Automotive. And this is one way for them to get into it. But as we know, building cars is really hard. As Tesla uh, took a long time to
0: figure out. Um, but we'll, we'll stick with Tesla for a moment there. Uh, now they have got it figured out, and they uh, number three in, us, in Australia. Uh, uh, the in Model September. Y
1: was the third, is the third best-selling car in the country so far this year. There you year. go. So yeah.
0: they're uh, pretty big in Australia. Uh, what, what we heard was that Model Y owners suddenly noticed an update on the app that said, give us $3,000 and make your car go faster.
1: Yeah, pretty so much. Model Y Long Range, which is the mid-range model, it's all-wheel drive, but it's not quite as fast as the full-on performance. Uh, people were looking at their Tesla app, which lets you unlock the car and do stuff like that. And there's an option that you can pay $3,000 and it will cut 0. 0.6 of a second from your 0.0 to 100 time with a software update. That's pretty good because if you're a Formula One team, you spend a million dollars buys you a tenth. So yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's, what is it, $500 per 0. 0.1 of a second, that's per tenth not of a bad. second. That's not bad. Um, the capability is already in the car. There is no hardware change involved with this. It is just Tesla going, oh, we've just actually decided that we'll unlock that code for you. And it's something the brand's done before. It's also something we've seen other brands do but i kind of don't get the point because five seconds to 100 k's an hour for a family suv is already really quick and if you want to go even faster the performance is like a three and a half second car from memory so this middle ground in between i understand maybe it'll generate some cash but i don't quite get what problem it's solving do you think it's possible there was a delay
0: on model y performance when the model y first came here so you were able to get a long range early on at and a standard do you think possibly it's a thing of People that adopted a Model Y early want a bit of that extra performance, but they didn't they didn't were not willing to wait, couldn't wait whatever reason in the in the
1: first place. Definitely a chance. I'm I'm curious to know actually, like you uh, I know like an SUV around that yes. size. <laughs> Does the, the performance matter to you? Because I know for me I'd be happy with five seconds from a family car. It's quick.
2: <laughs> I probably wouldn't, to be honest. And the reason why I said that before was that I'm buying that car more than likely as a family SUV. I'm not buying it to be 0.6 of a second faster than my mate next door. Like, yeah, I wouldn't spend $3,000 on that, no.
1: Tesla has actually also recently revealed an updated Model Y in China. It doesn't look as updated as the Model 3 we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but it had some more tweaks there. So I do also wonder if this is not a bridging step for Tesla before they bring the, all the updates to Australia. I just hope the updates include more comfortable suspension because the Model Y yeah. for all of its strengths, it does not ride very well. It
0: doesn't and, and, and going faster in that car is not necessarily a good thing as we experienced at, <laughs> yes. at Lang, Lang. <laughs> The faster the Model Y goes, the less stable it actually becomes. Um, I'm curious though, and this might be a kind of a hard question to answer, but. With electric cars and uh, software-controlled cars becoming more and more prevalent, is there something that you'd like to see that, you know, you buy a car in the dealership, brand new, but you go, well, I don't really need that feature, but then down the track, it might be an option to purchase? What's, what's one of those features you could think of?
2: Yeah, so I actually want to touch on, um, this is something that BMW is looking into with subscription services. Don't
0: say subscription-hated um, seats, Jay. No, no, killed no, it. no, 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 they did kill it. Uh,
2: yes, but what I was going to say is, um, lately uh, Tesla and Polestar both have access to like YouTube on the infotainment system. I think that will be something that while I don't have kids and I don't need that streaming service, I, I wouldn't want to pay for it, but then, If you're on a long road trip and, you know, your kids are going insane, having to pay maybe 50 bucks a month to have a subscription service available on my tablet so I can keep my kids entertained while I'm going away for the holidays would be quite valuable to me. Uh,
1: I'm anti this entirely. (laughs) I just hate the idea. I hate the idea of it. I... I hate with a burning passion when you are playing a video game, for example, and you get to a certain point and you can either play the game or they let you pay to unlock more functionality. It drives me insane that Apple is constantly trying to get a couple of bucks a month for me to pay for more iCloud storage. I just, I'm completely exhausted already of the fact that the modern tech world is constantly trying to reach into your pocket and take out a monthly payment. So I just want my car to be my car. I will pay you for the things I want when I buy it they will be there for the life of the car. Do not try to take more money from me afterwards. And I have a fundamental problem with the it's way that-Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm angry. Don't <laughs> I have a fundamental problem with the fact that when BMW introduced these heated seats, they tried to spin it as a benefit to us. They said to us, well, if you don't use them, you don't have to pay for them. But that hardware is fitted to the car. And BMW yeah, is not I a charity, so you're paying bad. for the heating elements in the seat. They're just switched off with software. It's just. And there would be <sighs> nothing worse than getting into your car
0: and you are literally getting frostbite on your backside, and you're trying to enable your subscriptions. Okay, and well, you why are you sitting seats. on a ice, Pack Sean? It's just like <laughs> it just, it's the most moronic feature. Uh, yeah, that. What about that you, stupid. Sean? I would, Scott. In all honesty, oh, come I like. On, I just I, I buy the car. You know, it, it's like imagine if you bought uh, a Ute, like a mid-spec you. <laughs> you don't have to and imagine then... <laughs> that hard. You were a this. But imagine, imagine you bought a Ranger or a D-Max as a mid-spec, and then you were like, oh, in six months, I'm just going to be able to option it up to a track top spec. It's just like, why, why? Why why, wouldn't you just buy that in the first place if that's the thing that you're going to want? I Yeah, I'm I think Jade's got an argument here. Hang on. Uh,
2: I, I don't have an argument, but I can understand why some people would find that appealing and why people like me who one day want to have a family but don't necessarily want to drive a family car right now Will have that option where I don't need to spend an extra 60 grand in three years or two years when I decide to have kids. But you don't, you spend 60 on have... an
1: iPad. <laughs> it's a
0: lot cheaper. Yeah,
2: I guess. I mean, in the instance of the infotainment streaming, yes. And I also understand Scully's point where if the hardware is fitted to the car, I should just be automatically paying for it. I do get it. But I also know a few people in my life who value money quite significantly. And Hopefully if they do. Well, yeah, a bit more than others. But if they don't want a feature but want access to it in the future, that option there is always going to entice them. Like if they don't have to fork out that money now or put that money on finance, later once the car's paid off and they do have that money accessible to them, that can then be something that they add onto the car to make it feel brand new or to make it feel like it's actually something newer than you know, potentially the five-year-old car that you've just finished paying off. That's more where I'm coming from.
1: I think what scares me about this is also the idea that it's never permanent. I mean, we've heard stories about Tesla doing this in the right direction. When there were big fires or floods in the US, there were Model S generations that had software locked batteries. So it had a 90 kilowatt hour battery which paid for the base model, so you only got 60 kilowatt hours. Mm. And Tesla used over-the-air update to unlock the battery capacity so people could go further and get away from danger, which is an awesome story. But the idea of either a glitch taking away functionality that I've paid for or a car brand arbitrarily deciding that after three years that it's changing its policy, I needed to pay again. Or me going to sell the car and the next person having that feature deactivated for them so they pay for it twice. It just... The control that these car companies potentially have over yeah, your vehicle agree with you. makes me yeah. really uncomfortable. And mm. maybe that's naive because any car with CarPlay or a sat-nav system or online services is tracking your every move and constantly communicating with Head Office, the cloud, et cetera. But I just I just feel like it opens a door I don't want opened. And already it's starting. I'd like to stay clear of it for as long as possible. Yeah.
0: I understand. Well, if you want to stay clear of one of these cars that track you and you want to get a deal on a brand new car that doesn't track
1: you as Not much, a good segue.
0: <laughs> head to Google and type in <laughs> Help Me Car Expert. We can connect you with a range of dealers across the country To get into a brand new car sooner and for possibly a better price. So head to Google, type in help me car expert, and if you do use the service, leave a comment, let us know how was it, what car did you buy, and uh, would you tell your friends about it? All right, we'll move on to our uh, review this week, semi review actually. We're just gonna keep this one light because it's a a small review for a very small
2: car. car. It is a light
0: car. (laughs) Now, uh, if you may recall a couple of weeks ago, Scott taught Jade how to drive a manual car, and then she took those brand new skills onto the launch of the Mazda 2 and uh by all the well actually we haven't had a bill from Mazda yet so I guess you did okay
1: (laughs) didn't you, just quickly you got a lesson from the F1 medical car driver didn't (laughs) you
2: that was sick so he was like yeah Yeah. he was adamant that you know he was gonna teach me a a few things about the car and and it was actually really cool so did he teach you how to
0: go over a rumble strip on two wheels like he does in the you want to laugh I
2: think he did it in a a very safe environment Um, on a private (laughs) private thing. Um, I think he did show me, he was obviously in the driver's seat, um, but he did show me a few cool driving skills that I would never be able to replicate in my life. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was a really cool experience.
0: Anyway, tell us a little bit about the Mazda 2, Jade.
2: Yeah, so this is also my first review on the carexpert.com.au website. So if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Um, Let me know in the comments what you thought of the Mazda 2 based on my review. But I had never driven a Mazda 2 before. Um, As Scott mentioned in the previous episode, SUVs are usually my thing. So getting into one of the smallest cars available in Australia was a little bit scary. Now the launch took us on a combination of windy roads and highways um, and automatic and manual. Now I didn't take the manual on the road. I uh, kept it in like the test track that uh, Mazda set up for us, but it was actually a really cool learning experience where it kind of inspired me to, you know, encourage more people to go and learn manual and the Mazda 2 is a great place to start. So yeah, only praise for the Mazda 2. And the reason why I say that with a little bit of hesitation The segment keeps getting, keeps losing manual transmission and it keeps getting more expensive. So, Mazda's done a really good job at keeping the manual. Um, It is in the middle range, uh, price wise, of the segment. So, there's obviously cheaper alternatives if you're looking for an automatic. Um, But yeah, otherwise, it's a pretty good car. You've driven it. Recently, haven't
1: you, D- Scott? I mean, I don't know how you did. From the back seat, I'm presuming. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you'd be surprised. There are some very big cars that drive small, including this and Patrol we talked about last week. There's not as much room in there as you'd expect up front. The Mazda 2 I mean, I don't b-
0: have that problem. I don't think you would either, but anyway. <laughs> It must be nice.
1: Um, but the Mazda 2 is a small car that drives big. It actually has quite a bit of space up front for me. You just wouldn't be able to get in behind me. Um, it is now an old car. Mazda has updated a big chunk of its range in Australia. The new Mazda 3 was kind of the standard setter, but all the way through to the CX-90 now, it has a a heavily overhauled lineup. and the Mazda 2 is a heavy facelift on a heavy facelift. So it feels old in some ways. The interior is getting a little bit old. The tech's not great. But fundamentally, it's still a really good little car to drive. It's really good fun, and it's very economical. I think the other thing I really like about it is there's no rubbish or no tricks or no, no sort of pretense with it. It is an affordable, economical little car. It's not meant to be a sports car. It's not a hybrid or trying to be electric or anything like that. It just does what it says on the tin and yeah. there's definitely still a place for that. So it's, I guess
0: you could say, it is a pretty good first car, yes. which brings me to the question I wanted to ask you guys. If you had, what was it, it's around 25 grand. Yeah, give the, or take. Yeah. So if you had $25,000, not including the Mazda 2, because I want to get some <laughs> other variety here, um, and you were to buy a, a, for, or suggest to someone a first car for their
1: 17-year-old to get into, what, what would you go? Jade, or, uh, oh, no, okay, Scott, cool. no, That's whoever. been passed off to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I would look at, depending on how much space you need, I'd look at an MG5. Um... The question with that car is how much do you value active safety equipment? And if you're a parent buying your kid their first car, you probably do value it. But It's probably still safer than a 96 Festiva, though. It is definitely. I, look at, I'll so. confidently say that. Does that definitely.
2: have airbags, Sean? No. Only first. The
1: airbag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it is quite a spacious car, the sedan. Um, I think it's quite a good looking car, and I drove it briefly. It drives quite nicely for less than 25 grand. If you do want all that active safety kit, You'd have to look elsewhere, but fundamentally it still comes with all the airbags and physical crash protection. It just doesn't have anything beyond autonomous emergency braking, so no blind spot, rear cross traffic, that sort of thing.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Look, one could argue that's a good thing because it will teach them to look over their shoulders. That's exactly what I was going to say.
2: I think um, driving press cars quite a lot and a lot of that safety equipment is standard. Uh, I think if you jump into that straight away in your first car you become accustomed to that and then if you have to jump into a car that doesn't have that they don't have the skills to be able to you know check their blind spots quite frequently and stuff like that so yeah it's I think amazing how lazy you get with
1: that stuff too yeah. my my girlfriend's got an old Mazda uh, 3 it's a 2006 model and I grew up in a big car with no reversing camera my first car was a Subaru Liberty from the mid-2000s I can't park her Mazda 3 without the help of a shop window or something, because I'm so used to having cameras and mirrors that dip, and the adjustment happens really quickly, but once that skill goes, it's hard to get back.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so, Scott Colley, bad driver. Uh, so <laughs> Jade, what's We're your, your, <laughs> <that one>. what's <laughs> what's your pick here. for uh, under 25 grams? Um, first I'm part?
2: going an i30 manual. Um, Does that have
0: blind spot monitoring?
2: I don't know, actually. Okay. The new one's might. Um, I need to double check that. But the reason why, it's one of the biggest biggest, uh, apart from the... You also uh,
1: already have an iPhone. I do. I am slightly biased. (laughs)
2: Um, But the reason why I went for it, um, it's got quite a lot of tech in there, safety, more safety maybe than the MG5, Scott. Um, And it's also pretty reasonably sized. It's a lot bigger than quite a lot of the other options in the segment, which means that you can... Grow with it. It's not something that you're going to spend, you know, 18, 19, 20 grand on. And then in a couple of years, once you start going on road trips or things like that, outside of, you know, your everyday life, it becomes too small. So that's going to be my pick. What about you?
0: Actually, I, I, like, the, I like the idea of your Hyundai one. And the reason being is that there are a lot more Hyundai dealerships than MG dealerships around. And They're if working on that. If, yeah, the MG thing's yeah. happening. Anyway, let's but not go down that rabbit hole. You know, if you're... A young person and I can only speak for myself when I was young and on my P's I drove everywhere hundreds of kilometers every week because I just could and I think that that the ability to be able to go places in your Hyundai you know you're gonna find a service center if anything goes wrong you're probably gonna be okay compared to an MG for instance I think they probably there's a lot more comfort in the fact that Hyundai is a much more of a legacy brand than MG but I also see where you're coming from with the MG. I think it's like, look, let's be honest. It's Chinese a lot of car for the money. Are, the Chinese <laughs> yeah, are on the way I up. There's no question yeah. with their cars. But so. would you,
2: you do a 30 If you didn't do either or? Would P-Kanto. there be uh,
0: another car? She's a man. Actually, the Keppi is really cool. Um, but it's a great little car. And, and I think, yeah, the warranty and the servicing on those cars are really good. Uh, if you're a 17-year-old, you're gonna crash it. You're gonna bing it at the car park. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna bump back into something uh, having a cheap little car like that is is perfect, easy to fix, easy to maintain, uh, can't really go wrong. Um, we'll get, we're close to wrapping it up this week, guys, so we'll go to our picks of the week. Jade, I'm going to throw straight to you first. Ooh, hello. What's your pick this week? hello.
2: Um, I saw this actually a couple of weeks ago, and it's just re really kind of surfaced back in um, on an Instagram account called Hype Whip. They have quite a lot of viral stuff. Um someone has sent in a video of over 1,000 Nissan Skylines abandoned in a lot in Japan.
0: Oh, there's a lot of people crying right now. Yeah.
2: Um, now, I don't know. There wasn't too much detail over who, what, when, where, and why. Um, but Hype Whip estimates that the um, value of the lot is over $50 million US dollars, which is quite a lot of money. Now, looking at the video, there were a lot of car uh, colours or uh, different accessories, so they did look you know like quite older generation ones so it might have been like a nissan i don't want to say junkyard because that is somebody else's treasure but yeah it did look pretty cool and yeah i quite like the idea of it
0: might have been the leftover stunt cast in the fast and furious movies just stored somewhere (laughs) paul
1: walker's spare garage (laughs) all right uh scott what's your pick this week um, I caught up with a couple of friends last night and we were talking about the big things in Australia. You've got the big banana, there's the big chair in Broken Hill, I think. Big prawn. The big prawn. Australia. The big koala. There's a, yeah, there's a... Are you guys familiar with the big oyster? The
2: big I've heard of it.
1: So this was a tourist attraction in a New South Wales country town. It is a big oyster with a viewing platform out the front of it. That's what you need next to your big thing, a viewing platform. It's too far inland, for one, for the oyster to be good. <laughs> but whatever was underneath is no longer in business. This big oyster wasn't big business as it turns out. And it's a car dealer now. So there is a Kia Hyundai dealership in country New South Wales with a gigantic oyster on the roof of it with a viewing platform over the car park. I'd never heard of this thing before, but it's the most ridiculous sight you'll ever see. I like that. Maybe they're inferring
0: that their dealership is a Pearl. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, or maybe the land was cheap because there was maybe. a giant <laughs> on the roof. Yes, yes. yes. impressive it survived that long. not the They don't keep very quickly. well, do yeah, they? Amazing. Well, my pick is uh, I'm going to go. I'm sticking with Porsche again for the second week in a row. Uh, they recently held the Rennsport Reunion in Laguna Seca in the States. Rennsport Reunion is basically a celebration of classic Porsches, and and I think uh, you mentioned last week 75 years Porsche have been around. Uh, for? something like that. Something yeah. like that. Anyway, they had uh, some of the rarest and most expensive. Porsches on show racing around Laguna Seca. They also had probably the a race of the hardest to find
1: Porsches ever collected in one place. Now this is going to be something really obscure. Hang on I'm just trying to guess okay. what it is okay. because what Lamborghini made tractors. Oh they did. Ferrari didn't but all these brands have got weird histories. What do we think it was? You're not
0: far off. Oh really? Yeah, they had, they held two races. Are they the, the parts fans they did? Not quite. Okay, sorry, held, I keep cutting you off. They held two races, Le Mans style start, they had to start on the other side of the track, run across, <laughs> and get on, on their vehicles and then race. The fact, you uh, said get
1: on worries yes, me.
0: Uh, they were tractors, Porsche tractors. They reached peak speeds of 15 miles per hour. A Jeremy Clarkson. That's a whole 25 k's an hour. It was insane. And it's really funny, watch the video because you'll see them all run across, get on the tractors and all the tractors go uh, and they just start <laughs> slowly going down the front straight at Laguna Seca. And I know you and I have played a lot of Laguna Seca. I think you're a bit of an old Gran Turismo mm-hmm. fan as well. Laguna Seca's Quick, they you know, the front there.
1: These were not. Um, um, picturing the corkscrew in a Porsche tractor, you'd almost <laughs> topple over over yeah, the it's inside of like the in cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yes,
0: Red Sport reunion. A uh, lot of cool cars, but uh, a lot of cool tractors as well. Nice. So, uh, guys, any any final
1: thoughts you want to leave us with this week? Yeah, um, it's chucking down with rain outside. It is. It is. I have decided I cannot buy a Ute that doesn't have full-time four-wheel drive. Oh. Okay. Recently drove a Hilux GR Sport. It's got chunky tyres and it's only rear wheel drive on the sealed surface. God, it gets boring. Trying to pull away and the wheel's spinning all the time. Oh. Even if you're gentle on hills and stuff. That is my takeaway for this week. Right, so Scott's got a heavy foot. <laughs> Jade, any final thoughts you want
0: to leave us with? No, yeah,
2: I think we did a pretty good episode this week. I'm very happy with in the it. the yeah. yeah. uh,
0: Well done, guys. Thank you, Jade. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, uh, we'd like to thank all of you for joining us this week. Uh, and uh, we're going to be back next week with uh, another show, lots of exciting stuff, so make sure you subscribe for that. Guys, thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week, and I'll see all of you next week as well.